0: Hello, and welcome to episode one of the Consumer Crusader podcast. Are you having problems with something you've bought? Have you lost money unfairly or been overcharged? Have you had a run-in with a rogue trader? When things go tits up like this, getting what you want can be tricky. That's where we come in. Each episode, we'll be delving into real-life consumer case studies, dishing out actionable tips, taking questions from listeners, and conducting role plays. My name is Henry and each episode I'll be joined by the Consumer Crusader, a self-styled Scarlet Pimpernel of consumer rights who will be revealing his secrets to taking on big companies and winning. Under the instruction of the Consumer Crusader himself, we'll be keeping his true identity firmly under lock and key. Why is this? Well, Maybe he wants to ensure the safety of his family from a vengeful conglomerate he helped expose. Maybe he likes the theatrics of mystery. Or maybe, just maybe, he's a convicted pedophile on the run. Hello, Consumer Crusader. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Henry. Uh, No, no, thank you. No,
1: well, no, yes, thank you. Uh, but,
0: but, but honestly, the thanks are all mine.
1: All right, that's fair enough. It's good to be with you, Henry. I um, This is something I'm really passionate about in terms of standing up for the small guy or girl against big businesses and the big beasts out there. So thanks very much for helping put this together, I guess. But
0: just to check, you're not a convicted pedophile.
1: No, I'm definitely not a convicted pedophile.
0: Unconvicted pedophile? <laughs>
1: no not an convicted pedophile no, i'm
0: i'm so sorry um i mean it's not the best way to start a podcast by accusing the uh, star attraction of of a sex crime so i'm very sorry so what do we call you then um obviously i know your real name um you're an old friend of mine but for this podcast you will be anonymized so consumer crusader Mr. yeah
1: crusader? Uh, just consumer crusader the full title each time please
0: diet coke martin lewis
1: diet coke martin lewis
0: He's good, though, isn't he? Martin Lewis. I mean, that's... If we're talking consumer rights, that's, you know, that's, that's your man, isn't
1: it? He's fantastic. I mean, especially around a lot of the cost of living stuff. His campaigning is very good. I've got a lot of time for Martin Lewis. He's amazing.
0: I knew someone that used to work for Martin Lewis. You know that um, show he's got on... Is it ITV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A money show. Apparently, um, on his rider, um, for like his dressing room, he asks for 10 Kit Kat junkies before every show. Um, <laughs> Apparently, you won't go on without them. I think it's important to draw a distinction between consumer rights and consumer crusading because you see them as two different things. Am I right?
1: Yeah, that is right. It's a good point, actually. So uh, consumer crusading, for me, is taking what you're entitled to, so a bit of a background knowledge of the law, your rights, and applying it in the real world, which most of the time is is a world of negotiation. So it's laying out your stool about what it is you're entitled to, laying out clearly what it is you expect in terms of an outcome. And then it's a negotiation. So much of what we're going to talk about over the series and series of podcasts is going to be about negotiating, knowing what your rights are, and then knowing how to negotiate to get what you want. So consumer rights is, you know, understanding the legislation. It's understanding where to go and what your rights are. And there are all sorts of brilliant resources out there, like Citizens Advice and like your sort of Mark Lewis's of the world what i want to kind of talk about is how to take that and negotiate with it so it's combining your civil rights and your negotiation skills to get what you really want
0: yeah i think that's quite interesting because um i was browsing i think reddit the other day it's quite interesting to read that um a lot of people on the other end um people that are like working consumer rights not consumer rights but um customer services sorry a lot of them will deal with people who ring up and say um I want a refund, Martin Lewis said this. And they feel it's enough just to quote his name and then that that is all they need to do. Wow. Um, So they've got the bare bones information, get online, get on the phone, get on live chat and say, Martin Lewis says I'm entitled to this. And then we'll hit a brick wall. So I think what we're trying to provide is the sort of second part. Is that right?
1: Yeah, exactly so. So, I mean, yeah, without going into kind of case examples, the kind of thing is, is knowing how to push for the maximum that you can get, recognising it might not be everything every time, but that you are entitled to something. As a, An example I'll give is, uh, I, I'm i a fan, as you can imagine, of BBC's watchdog. Yeah, it's kind of, that's very much, that's kind of getting to consumer champion. Is that still going? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. But you've got, obviously, the, the chap whose name I can't remember. You've got... Matt all right. Matt all right. that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Thank yeah. you. I stood next to him
0: at Glastonbury Festival watching The War Boys once. And I thought oh that's Matt all right. He had a pork pie hat on.
1: Was was Matt all right?
0: <laughs> I think we should just end our podcasting crew after that. <laughs> Comment. Um
1: so BBC Watchdog uh they'll write to a company uh with their kind of high weird BBC watchdog you know we we've got a prime time audience we're going to hang out to dry in front of millions of people. And what they get back to the press line, and they'll kind of read the press line. And for me, it's about not getting the press line. It's about getting the result that you actually want. And a lot of the time... What do you what...
0: mean by press line? Sorry.
1: So what I mean is, what BBC Watchtower do is they'll write, and what they'll, what they'll get back is, uh, we absolutely did not accept responsibility in this case. It was nothing to do with us, but it's a gesture of goodwill, and because there's millions of people watching, we will refund Agatha her £300 for her... I guess <laughs> And, like, that is really probably what happens. Like, thanks for getting in touch. You get what you want, which is the refund. But we don't accept our responsibility. You know, I'm not saying I'm better than BBC Watchdog. You sort of are saying that. I've been really pleased with some of the things it's possible to achieve by really persevering mm. and really knowing what to do when faced with a difficult challenge. And a lot of it is just quite simple tools and techniques and a bit of confidence when people keep slamming the door in your face. And you can achieve some fantastic things. And I've I've had people contact me, you know, particularly friends and family, who've had some really difficult challenges, really difficult times, and they've been really, really fucked over by a company, a brand, and being able to kind of really take it to them, and in some cases win tens of thousands of pounds, win dream holidays. You know, it's been really striking. So you know, if they think for me if we can get some listeners and they put these things into practice and they really do achieve something, they get themselves the thing they wanted, they win some successes, they get what they're entitled to, then I think it'd be worth it. Yeah. You know, we don't have to be top of the podcast charts and Martin Lewis is my guest for this to be success. I think if some people really get what it is that they want out of this, then I think that'd have been that'd be brilliant and well worth it.
0: Absolutely agree. Great. Well, look forward to, um, Exploring the waters of consumer rights with you. <laughs> Sorry. I think my um that metaphor ran out of steam as quickly <laughs> as it started.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the waters, yeah. Terrible, wasn't it? The, it's the, uh, the it's pung- been a long day. The pungent swamp of <laughs> That is better. Yeah.
0: Who would be at the bottom of the pungent swamp? Uh BT. <laughs> I feel like you've got a vendetta against BT, so definitely um, something for a future podcast there. Yeah, for sure.
1: Consumer Crusader
0: case studies. If we crack on with the first section, yes. um case study of the week: speeding tickets.
1: I hear a lot about speeding tickets, and mostly uh, it is it consists of people who have completely legitimately been served a speeding ticket, and are trying to get out of it. Yeah, and I think. The key thing I want to say is, you know, in terms of the principles or morals that lie behind this podcast and website series, it's that this isn't about hacks. This isn't about getting one over on the authorities. This isn't about getting out of it when you did it. If you were speeding, pay the fine. Don't do it again. That's my firm advice. Yeah. What we're trying to talk about in this segment about speeding tickets is about when you've been unfairly serviced with something for some reason or there are certain exceptional circumstances that lead you to be able to to make a case for getting out of it but this is very much categorically not about cheating the system getting one over the kind of t- insider tools and tricks to kind of beat the system that isn't what this is about there's a lot of online sort of forums and chatter about you know things that have worked and people that have gone to court and won or people that have challenged things. Um, and a lot of this technicality, you know, can you challenge the calibration of the speed camera or it's, you know, where it was sighted? Can you kind of look through whether the speed limit the zone that it's in was legitimately created? Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of kind of really niche legal hacks. Um, the answer is no, if you were speeding, just pay it. Yeah. The kind of thing I'm talking about is the example I had recently, uh, was a member of the public who was um, a uh, an intensive care nurse, uh, returning in fact, so sort of going to their their job at the intensive care uh, part of the hospital uh, during COVID nineteen, and they were uh, flashed uh, going through a camera um, on a uh, on a on a motorway, but doing about sort of forty miles an hour uh, because of traffic conditions or um, restrictions at that time. And they weren't doing massively at the speed limit, but essentially they they kind of just got in touch with me on the basis of, is there anything that anyone can do to help? And, you know, frankly, the kind of, the stuff that this person did during the pandemic was enough to make me think I should probably try and step in and have a look. Um, and actually what I did is uh, just got her to write a letter explaining herself to the issuing authority. And that was enough for them to write back and say, thank you very much for your service and write it off. And that's the kind of principle that I'm blind here, which is, Legally speaking, they were probably pretty banged to rights. But actually, one of the things you can do is write to the to the person in charge, the person that issues the ticket and explain what you're doing and why. And if it was something that is compelling, if there was a good reason for it, then it's something that they will be able to write off. You know, the classic example is someone that's speeding to hospital because their wife is in labour and just about to give birth you know, you are able under those kind of limited circumstances to write to an issuing authority, explain, especially with any medical evidence of, you know, the child was born half an hour later, and they will most likely write that sort of ticket off. And that's, you know, this is precisely the sort of thing this is about. It isn't a legal get-out, is isn't a, a one-finger-up at the system. This is very much someone that really does deserve it. The easiest, best thing to do, if your circumstances are compelling, is simply to write to the issuing authority explain yourself, and they will let you know their decision. So basically...
0: You're dealing with a human at the end of the day, at the end, other end of a letter, not a yes. robot. Is that what you're trying to say, that, that appeal to people's empathy if you believe that, you know, there are extenuating circumstances?
1: Yeah, that's very well put. I mean, there are some specific circumstances that are kind of set out in law. Uh, and there are kind of um, you know, regularly uh, circumstances where uh, issuing authorities will look upon them as uh, the kind of circumstances that they would uh, see to us in tickets what for example um you've
0: left the oven on and you're speeding home to turn it off to prevent a, uh, a house fire
1: i mean that's that's a really interesting one i i mean you could write with that i mean you'd need probably to provide some evidence of well, just my know, charred home a... would that be evidence enough uh probably not i mean just put yourself <laughs> in the shoes of the of the person looking at it i mean they'll be able to smell the bullshit a mile off I think the thing you've got to be able to do is, you know, perhaps the the record of the fire service having attended the property around the time that you were rushing back, that might work. Yeah. Or
0: the death certificate of my child. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, that was quite dark.
1: Yeah, what we're talking about here is, you know, The combination of compelling circumstances and evidence of those circumstances and then you just simply write and throw yourself at the mercy of the uh of the of the the people in the system but as you said quite well earlier you know you're you're these are people and it's about the empathy of the people that you're writing to so you gotta tug those heartstrings a bit too you're saying you sort of got to have proof then what if you did something like
0: you did one of those things where you you sneeze burp and fart at the same time and then like temporarily lose all consciousness you'd have i guess no proof of that but that could be a reason why suddenly your foot hammered down on the accelerator but that would have been out of your control
1: yeah i mean under those circumstances yeah completely accepting the feasibility of you doing that just as you're approaching a speed camera what you could do is right explaining that i mean i wouldn't imagine your your chances are high but
0: no i think it's impossible to do i think if you do those three things at the same time you die anyway is what the people say. Oh really? Do they? Oh,
1: is that the, so it's a trick question.
0: I'm sure um, at school people used to say if you sneeze, burp and fart at the same time you will kill yourself.
1: Well there's two, so two things here. One is uh, I think they it is possible for them to issue a speedy ticket to a dead person so you probably get out of it. <laughs> uh, but secondly I I think I remember you saying Henry that you yourself had recently been caught speeding. Yeah, uh, And that wasn't indeed. at all a reason why it's part of this this episode because you're not looking for a get out but if you were to write explaining that you'd done all those things simultaneously i'd be interested in know what your chances were so i'd be interested in the, <laughs> the, the response you get it could be a you know um, a new feature tried and tested or something where based on our discussion you 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 sort of get yourself a speeding ticket or conveniently already have one and then you try out one of the um the solutions that we've thrown around just to see if it works or not, and you can kind of report back next time as to, as to what reaction you got.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's a once-in-a-lifetime excuse. I don't know if to waste it on a speeding fine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
1: Consumer Crusader role play.
0: Right. Consumer Crusader. Are you up for a bit of role play?
1: Always. Yeah, go on.
0: Okay, so I think the scenario we're going to be looking at this week um, is I've bought a new fridge
1: oh yep
0: so we're going to be looking at faulty goods the the best way of complaining right you've got faulty goods or something's gone wrong how to get what you want okay so i've got a fridge and lo and behold after um installing it there's a huge dent on it oh sorry to hear that i'll find the number of uh fridges incorporated yeah Give them a quick call and i'm looking basically to get my money back or get a new fridge
1: Great. Well, that. That.
0: Okay. So if if I call up and you'll be, I guess, the customer server customer server customer service operator on the other end of the line, I'll probably go wrong and then afterwards you'll sort of unpick where I went wrong and on what I need to do in future.
1: All right. Okay,
0: all right. Bring bring. Bring bring. Got you gotta pick up the phone.
1: Oh, I was gonna you don't want to be in a queue. <sighs> I thought it'd be quite authentic if you get <laughs> you got about forty minutes in a queue, but it probably doesn't make a very good podcast, so we should probably scratch that. Um i'll just keep bringing them
0: bring 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 bring
1: hello fridges incorporated you've reached john how am i direct your call
0: uh hi john i've i bought one of your fridges that's um, great can i take your name
1: please yes it's henry hello henry do you mind if i refer to you as henry throughout the call absolutely fine great thank you how how can i help you today
0: so I, i bought um one of your fridges from your website it arrived today um very happy with the fridge but when i got it sort of um vertical installed huge dent in the side that i noticed so obviously i don't want a fridge with a big dent in it so i was wondering if i get my money back please
1: oh i'm very sorry to hear that uh the damage to your fridge could you describe the damage to me please
0: um sort of it's just, just a dent
1: just a, just a small dent. I feel Is like it's
0: it... probably d- dented in transit
1: okay no worries i'll just put you through to our customer services department if you just bear with me thank you Hello, this is the Customer Services. Department. John speaking. How can I help? Wait, was I just speaking to John? Uh, possibly. There are a number of Johns in the company. Right. Okay.
0: You are John. Yes. Yeah. Yes, John. Surname.
1: Uh, no, I'm not allowed to divulge that to, um, to callers.
0: <laughs> okay. So um, yeah, I was just speaking to your colleague um, John about fridge I got from your website that it's turned up and it's got a big dent in the side. I think it's got damaged in transit.
1: Okay, just, I'm just to get free. a refund, please. Uh, I we don't offer refunds as such for uh, a dent like that. I mean, presumably, I guess there's a number of outcomes as to what you'd like us to do. But If first, can you mind? Would you mind just describing the damage to us, please? It's just a dent in
0: in the side of the fridge, like it's been hit by a hammer.
1: Okay. Would you say the dent was in excess of six inches in diameter?
0: No.
1: Okay. No, that's fine.
0: It's quite no small, way. but it's quite deep
1: i understand no worries at all so what we'll ask you to do under the circumstances is uh, there is a form on our website so if you could kindly just go and fill out the form and what you need to do is just provide us with a number of uh, images and recordings of the damage i've and that done be that. I've, to, really, I've, just, I've already done that that's great and then that will be passed to our assessment team and our assessment team will get back to you within 28 working days all right
0: okay well i've, I've already sent that across
1: that's lovely well uh and, that, and then our assessment team will get back to you within 28 working days okay Okay, so okay. That's great. Well, thank you very much. Nicole. Is there anything else I can help you with today? No. Thanks very much, Henry. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. Great. How do you feel that went, Henry?
0: <laughs> well, oh, frustrating.
1: Uh, I felt. Did I do anything wrong there? I feel like I didn't do anything wrong. No, not not particularly grave wrong. I mean, the thing you got is you just got fobbed off, didn't you, onto a onto a <laughs> website? So I went from speaking to someone into a system. Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the kind of the things I always found is speaking to someone about it is always much better than going into a kind of automated system where, you know, it gets lost in the system, it takes ages or the assessor comes back to you and says, I'm afraid, you know, we found that the damage doesn't apply with our policy or whatever else. Yeah, it's a way of sort of time passing and things like that. So, I mean, to be honest, there are two things here. The first is... um, What would you give me out of 10? I mean, you did pretty well. I'd say it's certainly a 7 out of 10. I think the thing is, you got you kind of went, you found yourself against a brick wall and nowhere to go at the end there. But all in all, I'd say, you know, most companies aren't going to be like that. Most companies, if you if you ring up with a dent in your fridge, they are going to say, there's three things we can do. We can replace the fridge for you. We can refund you part of the cost because of the damage. Um, or uh, you can just kind of, you know, completely return it and just get your money back. You know, those those are the kind of traditional options. You know, most will offer you that kind of upfront. You're not going to have this kind of real tricky thing. But fridges Incorporated are a bit a bit difficult. Um, the thing to do is, I think, insist on speaking to someone about it, including escalating it up. So do always feel free to kind of ask to speak but to supervisor. But what do I do, because
0: they just... John just fobbed me off to the website to t- t- send some pictures. I, d- I didn't feel like there was any other avenue for me at that point.
1: So, yeah, so you, the thing to do is make your own. So kind of provide other options. So, you know... Um having done the thing of the website and I've not heard back, I'd like to speak to your complaints department about the online procedure or yeah you know, so asking to speak to a complaints department is usually something that I find quite effective because they normally don't want to push you over that way. they try and resolve it first. The other is to to escalate it ask to speak to a supervisor um nice. particularly uh, the difference for me is um ask to speak to a supervisor when you're finding the individual you're talking to on a personal level is being difficult and ask to speak to a complaints department when the process is difficult. that's the way I would tend to differentiate between the two okay but the thing to do is turn it into a complaint because that's what businesses don't want so they i want was to just able to basically resolve just following pro-
0: following the standard procedure yeah. which didn't give me any other option to go down
1: yeah so i think the thing to do is say i want to you know for me but like, yeah you know, i'd like to basically open up a complaint so i'd like to speak to a complaints department uh and then go into that process instead
0: yeah okay so let, let's just say 48 hours has elapsed Yeah. um I'd, I'd already sent some pictures. So obviously I was just waiting for them to, you know, be, just being patient, let them get it. Um, yes. So I've received nothing in 48 hours. Um, so let's call back um, and I'll try and get a refund again, right? Good luck. Um, okay. Uh, bring, ring, bring, ring. Hello, Fridges Incorporated. You're through to John. How am I direct your call? Hi, John. Um, I called up two days ago got a fridge that got delivered with a big dent in it so i was just looking to get a refund uh, i spoke true. i spoke to yourself and another john um who just said to follow sort of the process of going on the website sending a few right. photos and uh, going through the standard procedure but i've, I've, I've heard nothing back um, no problem at all can i see a... i've been without a fridge now for a couple of days and all my milk's going off
1: i'm very sorry to hear that henry so uh if i can just take a few details so uh your name is it's Henry, and I've got your details here. Okay, I've, I've managed to find your details in your account. So, now, I'm afraid uh, our assessment uh, team had a look at, and uh, they weren't able to identify any damage. So, I'm afraid your your claim Sorry. for damage was, was denied uh, under the circumstances.
0: There's a big dent in the, in the fridge. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh,
1: so so you said, but I'm afraid in terms of the evidence that was induced, uh, our our expert assessors, and they do do this day in and day out, were not able to find any damage that was consistent with damage that would have been Sorry, caused by us. it doesn't
0: take an expert assessor to identify a big dent in the fridge. Uh, so
1: uh, our our my, assessors... my seven-year-old nephew could do that. So, our expert assessors uh, tend to also look at the the kinetics, the way in which the dent was probably e- created, uh, and I think there's no evidence that the dent was created on delivery or around delivery. Was it post was it post delivery dent at all? I don't know when it was created. It was just there when I got it set up. Oh, fair enough. So it was probably done by yourself. You reckon during the installation, rather no. than no. delivery?
0: No, no, absolutely not.
1: So I'm afraid there's no evidence to suggest that we damaged the that it was damage it was damaged when it arrived or was damaged in transit. So that's the uh, so I'm afraid your, your request has been declined. So, is there anything else I can help you with at all?
0: This is out of order. Yeah. Look, uh, you, you sent me a fridge. Five thousand pound fridge. It's got a big dent in it. This is not the level of customer service I expect, to be honest. Oh, uh, well, I'm very sorry to hear that. So uh, is there anything else I can help you with today? Yeah, you fuck off, you dickhead.
1: Sorry, I broke character. Uh, thank you very much. At that point, I would have disconnected the call cool, uh, due to the use of bad language.
0: Okay. Oh, that was tough. How does,
1: How do you feel? Um, low. Yeah. Shame. Yeah,
0: tough. <laughs> I mean, that's. I feel like that's a lower score than seven out of ten.
1: Uh, I mean, to be honest, again, you didn't do much wrong. I mean, you got rolled at the end, but sort of fair enough. What you found was a kind of brick wall, but what what you didn't do was try and find a way around it. You just kind of. You know, uh, I don't know. You, you didn't be able to seem to find a way around John. You didn't sort of suggest any other. I didn't even get to the second or... John that time, did I? No, you didn't even make it through second John.
0: No. no. <laughs> what could I have done that time then? Basically, when they're when they're basically flat out uh, denying that the, the things anything to do with them, what rights do I have?
1: So you certainly have uh, you have plenty of rights, particularly if you bought the fridge. It sounds like you bought it online as well. So
0: fridgesincorporated.co.uk. Is
1: ridge hey uh, we want to check whether that's a real website before we uh, <laughs> be live with before we uh, end up massive like getting, getting challenged for uh, libel by uh, by a large fridge conglomerate.
0: So what
1: rights do I have when they're uh, basically saying nothing to do with us mate we have a whole plethora of consumer rights uh, particularly around uh, cancelling an online order uh, to begin with. so you know with any, as with any online order, have a period of time, uh, calling off period to cancel the order completely and just get your money back, regardless. But you also, uh, under fair trading laws, have a whole range of rights when it comes to uh, the standard of the product. There are a few options that are open to you, uh, and the thing to do is try and resolve it with the company first of all. So yeah, my advice would be offer a, a menu of options to John in terms mm. of how to take it forward. So be more proactive in off in sort of suggesting the way forward than just taking his kind of well, I'm afraid the answer was no. Because so I think what I'd be doing then is saying, "Well, what's the process for appealing that? What's the process for, um, you know, taking this forward under consumer rights legislation? Uh, what's your process for kind of small claims, uh, including court? What uh, industry bodies are you affiliated to? Uh, what training? You know, uh, where where are you kind of located in terms of training standards? There are all sorts of kind of options open to you. Right. But in particular, the other thing you can do is if you're paid with your credit card, you can also uh, stop the." Um, Stop the payment with a sort of chargeback request. Uh,
0: I paid with Bitcoin. Paid with Bitcoin. Uh, I'm afraid... They're a very uh, modern company for just single
1: Yeah, very good. Very commendable. No, yeah. I'm joking. I, 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 yeah, I would always paid my credit card. But if you paid with your credit card, then you'd be able to go through your bank, um, sort of Section 75, uh, chargeback request to sort of stop the payment and challenge it that way. Uh, there are a whole range of things you can do. But the thing to do is kind of tell John that that's your intention, that you're going to take it further, that you're not happy. Find well, out bet how John's in a, to I bet John's in a failing marriage. So what? No, John. John's a nice guy. John's just got a series of prompts on the screen, and John's job is to stop you from. <sighs> yeah, but his tone was
0: so off, wasn't it?
1: I mean, you think like, oh, I felt was quite nice. passive aggressive. Oh, did you? Uh, uh, some inner, some of my own inner uh, working is coming out there, perhaps. Mm.
0: So, I guess so. Phone call number one. And i just got to get past the gatekeeper, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we'll be doing more of this as the series progresses, but I feel like I didn't get off to the best start there.
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's podcast one. I mean, hopefully by podcast one, we'll be nailing it, but it would be a bit tricky if by podcast one, you were absolutely fizzing. So <laughs> in some ways, I'm glad to see you, you know, fail. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Always by my side. Always. Listeners' Questions. Okay, so final section, questions from listeners. Now, obviously, our listenership is zero. So I've just asked a mate. We've got a voice note, so I'm going to play that now. Sorry, I'm just scrolling past um, all the memes and drunken photos. Here we go. Um, Pornography,
2: yeah. Come on. Okay. Hi, Consumer Crusader. I've got a question about buying um, a second-hand car. So it always seems when I buy a car, I find it quite difficult to knock, down, knock them down on price. Um, and when we go into the office to complete the paperwork, it actually feels like they're trying to increase the price by trying to sell me warranty products. Um, and obviously the thought of driving a car off the forecourt and it going wrong immediately, like, you know, is quite a scary one. But where do I stand as a consumer? Like, I must have some level of protection by, you know, general consumer law. Like, are these extra warranty products they're to me? You know, is it all just snake oil? Because I must have some level of protection. Um, if I buy a car and it has a, um, a fault outside of my control. Which is not due to general wear and tear within, say, 30 days, I should be able to take it back, right? So that was a uh, listener's
0: question. Over to you, Consumer Crusader.
1: Thank you. So this is is a pretty common one because it does feel like buying second-hand cars is a real lottery. So what I say is, yes, you absolutely do have uh, a series of legal rights, and and under consumer legislation, essentially. Uh, what you do is you have a right to the car being free from faults when purchased. Essentially, if something develops within the first sort of 30 days, then you do under, excuse legislation have an absolute right to kind of take it back uh, and repair, especially when you bought it from a dealer. Uh, I should differentiate between buying from a dealer and then buying sort of privately as well. We buy from a dealer, especially if, you, if you're able to show that the fault was there when you bought the car, then there should be a quibble free 30 days um, to get something fixed uh if you're unable to show that the fault was there in the first 30 days there kind of is a presumption that the fault was there when the car was bought but after that 30 days uh for about six months there's a kind of is a bit wavy but if you can show that it was likely that the fault was caused before then you should be able to get your get it repaired so in the first 30 days you can usually get a full refund if there's an issue. After that, what you get is probably offered a refund that's commensurate with the size of the fault. So, you know, for example, one of the bulbs isn't working, so they'll refund you enough money to replace the bulb, or they will repair it themselves uh, at no cost to you, so they will replace the bulb. Um, It gets more difficult as time goes on, because actually, under consumer rights law, you're protected for for up to five years, about six years. And under those circumstances, it gets harder and harder to show that the fault was likely to have been there when before you bought the car. So, you know, essentially, that's the kind of the test that you'll need to satisfy to be able to get something. If you bought the car from a private dealer, then all bets are off. It depends on the terms of sale. The thing to do is to record as accurately as you can the condition of the vehicle when you buy it. Uh, so that if there is an issue, you're able to show that that wasn't the kind of that it was there on the car at the time or something like that. It is, it's really difficult to do. And essentially, this is what a bit of the kind of underlying theme, I think, to being a consumer crusader. You take what little rights you have through consumer law and you hammer them to the max with the person that you're dealing with. So if you do experience a fault with a second-hand vehicle, the first thing I would do is take it to an independent garage for an independent view. And get them to give you a bit of an expert view on how was the damage likely to have caused? How long is it likely to have been there? And that kind of thing. Like get some independent advice because that's absolute gold dust when it comes to negotiating with someone. The other thing I would do is write down and record everything that you're saying and make it very formal very quickly. So write to people rather than give them a call. Uh, Be very clear about, you know, what's happened, why you believe it's uh, for them to solve Um, what it is that you want um, and be quite demanding, but reasonable about what it is you want. You know, you would like a refund uh, of the cost of the repair. You would like the fault to be repaired at their cost, whatever it might be, Uh, and then see where, how you get on. Um, There are a few other things that you can try. Uh, In particular, you can also use uh, most dealers, for example, will have a motor body, uh, a kind of independent in theory, motoring body that they uh, are part of. And they will offer a kind of dispute service uh, if you do fall out with your dealer over the condition of the vehicle, for example. So there are a few things that you can try.
0: Fantastic. That's great.
1: Talking about bulging post bag, I, I recently had quite a similar circumstance to this, but actually actually due to car servicing. So this was not a fault that the second half vehicle was purchased. This was a vehicle that had been serviced, but serviced badly. Uh, so the person got in touch with me and said that they believed their car hadn't been serviced properly. So I did this like this. I like asked them to take it to an independent dealer, an independent workshop, where they got a report from them explaining what hadn't been serviced properly. And they then took it back to the dealer. Dealer said, I'm very sorry to hear that, but we stand by our standards and we did it properly. You've got no evidence to the contrary. So I advised the individual to take it three ways forward. Firstly, to write to the dealer a formal complaint asking for a full refund with the independent evidence. Secondly, getting to the dispute resolution process. And thirdly, saying that you'll take it to trading standards. And the garage very quickly found they were surrounded and they acceded to the person's request for a refund for the service. Because, you know, it's a negotiation, right? You bring out the big guns, all these avenues, and they didn't want their hand grow and they kind of realized they're at fault. So they refunded. So it doesn't hurt to kind of throw those kind of all those levers together in one and they can see the kind of shower of shit that's about to hit them.
0: <laughs> and no one wants a share of shit hitting them.
1: No one does. Exactly that.
0: Okay. That's great. Right. That's it for episode one. Thanks for listening. And if you've got any questions, just head over to consumercrusader.co.uk and uh, whack your details into the contact form. See you next time.